If you've ever said to yourself that you're self-sabotaging, then this is the episode for you. I know for sure that I've said it about myself in the past and really believed that I had this little devil voice inside me who was intent on sabotaging all of my best efforts. Whether it was sabotaging my attempts at weight loss or exercising more or even achieving certain things in my business. And I've definitely had a lot of times in my life where I've told myself that story, that self-sabotage is the exact reason that I'm not getting where I want to go. But I want to unpick this today because these days I don't actually believe that self-sabotage is a thing. And in today's episode, I want to talk about why and what might really be going on instead. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast, bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life, improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at Alex Chickfit. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode, whether you're a regular or a first-time listener. In just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be celebrating my one-year podcast anniversary. So please do listen out for that episode because I'm going to be using it to gather a few of my best bits of advice from the last 12 months to help you formulate your very own Busy Woman's Fitness Plan. So I really, really can't wait for that one. But before we do get into today's episode, I have a quick question. Have you checked out the ChickFit Members Club yet? This is my fabulous online fitness membership for women, which combines all of the things that I talk about in this podcast. So a realistic and feel-good approach to fitness and wellness, uh, working on mindset to support our work on changing habits, plus really importantly, community and support from yours truly on how to navigate all of the sticky and hard bits too. This membership is about helping you to find your very own fitness groove with a range of structured and progressive fitness programs that are going to gradually help you feel stronger, fitter and even more amazing than you already are. And you'll also have brilliant support that's going to help you to achieve those goals and find a way of including fitness and wellness into your life in a way that really actually works. Now, if this sounds like what you need in your life right now and you'd love to join our amazing community, do just head over to chickfit.co.uk forward slash members club to find out more. I will pop the link in the show notes as well and I would absolutely love to see you over there. And as always, I'm always here for questions. So if you've got any questions about it, just email alex at chickfit.co.uk and I will get straight back to you. Right, on to today's subject, which is self-sabotage. Now, this episode actually came about following a conversation that I had recently with one of my clients. So we were chatting at the start of her session and I was just checking in on progress as I do uh, with my clients, not necessarily every single week, but you know, we have fairly regular check-ins just to see how everybody's getting on. And I kind of want to know what's going well, what areas do you want to focus on a little bit more, that kind of thing. And she said to me, well, it's going really well with the exercise. I'm pretty happy with that. But she then said the words that she was self-sabotaging herself in other ways. So her take on self-sabotage was that she was kind of digging into the crisps late afternoon, um, you know, towards the end of work. And then in the evening, it was the wine and the chocolate. 
and she felt like it was happening really regular regularly it was making her feel a little bit rubbish and she just she saw it as this act of self-sabotage she was like I'm doing so well I don't understand why I keep doing this to myself and I don't know about you but I have I've definitely been there and done that in the past and actually do you know what you can still find me digging into the crisps and a glass of wine on a Friday evening no, hang on a minute. Let's t- let's tell it like it is. Late afternoon on a Friday, all right? I don't even wait till the evening. Like, um, honestly, half five, off we go. But anyway, I digress. So I kind of knew where she was coming from because, you know, I've said those words before. I've said those words about myself and it feels easy to kind of blame it on that, doesn't it? Because, you know, I think many of us have these sort of negative feelings about ourselves, about our abilities sometimes. And I think that we kind of hone in on these actions as some kind of weakness in our personality and some kind of lack of willpower. But I think self-sabotage is actually even more than that, isn't it? Because it suggests that not only do we lack willpower, but we're actually actively and deliberately working against ourselves. Like, So it's not even that we're just a bit rubbish at doing what we say we're going to do. It's like, we think, right, well, there's something going on in my brain that actually doesn't want me to achieve this. It's like actively trying to stop me. And ultimately what it boils down to is us doing something which feels really good in the moment, but that we regret later because we think that is an action that we shouldn't be doing. It's something that is going to ruin all of the other good stuff that we've been doing. So that for me is the real essence of what we call self-sabotage. But of course, you know me, I don't like to go with the status quo, And I really, really don't want people beating themselves up for stuff like that. And I just, I wasn't about to sit there and stand for my client feeling bad about self-sabotaging behaviours. So we started to talk about it in a slightly different way, which I'll talk about in a second. And I think that over the years, my view on this has changed. And like I say, I used to blame a lot of stuff on self-sabotage myself, but... I don't actually believe that it exists anymore. And I think what we believe to be self-sabotage is actually something very, very different going on. And I think if we can maybe flip our thinking about this, it can really, really help us. Because as far as I'm concerned, what we call self-sabotage is actually an act of self-preservation. So it's often something that we are trying to do for ourselves rather than against ourselves. So when we talk about self-sabotage, like I said earlier, it's like this, you know, we feel like we're actively trying to destroy all of the good stuff that we've worked towards. We're actively trying to get in our own way. Whereas I think that what we're trying to do is we're trying to look after ourselves. We're trying to do something for ourselves. And it is actually our body and our brain's way of trying to look after us and trying to help us and trying to make us feel better. And I think even starting to reframe it a bit like that can make things look very, very different straight away. But I think what I want to do is I want to talk about what's really going on here, because I think there are a lot of reasons that we do these things, that we take these actions that we maybe feel are less than helpful to us. But what I'm going to do today, I'm going to pick the, the top three, the top three. I'm going to talk about you know what it, what is actually going on instead and how we can kind of change our view of that to change how we actually maybe deal with it. So I think the first one, and this is, you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, you will have heard me talk a little bit about this. But I think number one is trying to change too much all at once. So what was going on with my client was that she was trying to stop herself from eating the crisps every single night. She was like, I must not eat the crisps. I must not do it. This is bad. This is bad. I'm going to stop myself from doing it altogether. 
And it was too hard. It was too hard to suddenly make that change all in one go. So the habit continued. Because I think as well at the back of my mind was, well, I shouldn't be eating the crisps or drinking the wine or having the chocolate. So I've really got to stop doing all of these things. And of course, that can feel really overwhelming. So we end up not doing anything about it. The habit continues. You know, we're full of that resolve in the morning. And then by the late afternoon, when we're a bit tired, we've had a lot of decisions to make that day. We've maybe felt a bit stressed out. We're just not in the right place to stop ourselves from doing it. So our brains are there to protect us. They want us to maintain the habits that we already have. They want to ensure a predictable outcome. So, you know, our our brains are always in self-preservation mode. When we think that our brains are working against us, they absolutely are not. They are in self-preservation mode. And the reason they do that is because if they had to make a decision on every single thing we did every day, they would be completely fried. It just wouldn't be possible. So we create habits to make life easy, to make life predictable. And ultimately, as humans, we like things to be predictable because if we can predict the outcome, then we have comfort in knowing how we're going to feel about it. Even if we're not going to feel good about it, we still have comfort in how we're going to feel about it. And so even when you feel bad, you're like, I don't understand why I can't stop doing this thing. It's because your brain is going, I don't want you to change. I don't want you to change because that makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't like it when I can't predict what is going to happen. So if that is you, if that is like you've gone from zero to, you know, five workouts a week and you're struggling to keep it going, or whether it is that you are eating crisps every night and you're telling yourself you can't eat crisps ever, then you need to break it down, break it into even smaller bits. So what I said to my client was, well, look, how about if you choose just one thing, one of those three things, and you say that you're not going to do them on two nights of the week? And that's just your start point. And the thing is, like, we don't do that because we think, well, that's not going to make any difference. What's the point of that? I'm not going to see any benefit from just not eating crisps two nights a week, but eating them five nights a week. That's a bit silly. So we kind of don't want to do that either. But by trying to do it all at once, we just create much more of a craving. We create a bit more panic from the brain and we will find it very, very, very hard to not do those things anymore. And I think as well, we don't need to go cold turkey. Like you don't need to never eat crisps again. You just probably need to cut it out a few times a week so that you feel better. You know, likewise the wine. We don't want to be drinking every single night, but it's okay to have a glass or two a couple of nights a week. That's totally fine. So the aim is not to go cold turkey. The aim is not to get rid altogether. But if you're in that place and you're really struggling to give something up that is a really regular daily habit, then just go slow, whether it's cutting out once a week and then twice a week and then three times a week, gradually, gradually, gradually building it from there. Because I think otherwise we just make it too overwhelming and it doesn't change. So that is the sort of top number one reason that we think we're self-sabotaging, but we're not. Number two, self-soothing. So if you've had a busy day, a busy week, you're a bit stressed by stuff, then what you want to do is you want to soothe yourself. You want to look after yourself. And the fact is that most of us are not actually very good at self-soothing because we don't feel we've got the time for it. We don't feel we've got the time for self-care. We have spent our lives so busy rushing around doing, doing, doing that we don't have the tools in our toolbox to know how to soothe ourselves in different ways. So eating foods that taste and feel good in the moment are a way of self-soothing. Okay, they're a way of us looking after ourselves. They're a way of us calming down, of calming that stress at the end of a busy day, 
of rewarding ourselves at the end of a busy day. And we do it because it's quick, it's easy, we don't have to think about it. It doesn't take any effort, (laughs) really, does it, to go and grab a bar of chocolate out of the kitchen. And so that's why we do it. We do it because we want to self-soothe. We want to calm the nervous system so that we are telling our body everything's okay and we're not about to go into famine. Because what, again, you know, our body is trying to look after us when it does this. It's going, well, things are very stressful right now. I'm not sure this feels particularly safe. I don't really like it. Things could actually be going horribly wrong right now. So, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to feed myself and I'm going to try and soothe myself and calm the nervous system. But I'm also feeding myself because I want to make sure that if things are going a bit wrong and we're going into famine and things are not quite right, that I have got the armory to deal with that. So if you think that this sounds a bit like you, (laughs) that the eating is to soothe yourself, then I think that you need to start digging a bit deeper. It's all very well sitting there going, well, I'll just give up the crisps. But actually, if there's something deeper going on and we need to dig into what's lying underneath it, you know, the stuff that we're masking, the stuff that we're not really dealing with, the stuff that we really, really need in our lives, then we need, we've got to deal with that stuff first. So this isn't about denying yourself and distracting yourself with other things. Because I think often when you kind of go, well, you know, your body's not really asking for food. What it's asking for is self-care. We get into this whole world of, well, if you feel hungry, you're probably not actually hungry. So if you just go for a walk or you just drink a glass of water or you just do this other thing, then you'll distract yourself and then you won't feel hungry anymore. And that's not what this is about. So this isn't about denying. This is not about saying, no, you're not allowed to have that snack. This is not about going, how can I distract myself so I don't want it anymore? What it is about, though, is about starting to build a few self-care practices into your life and doing it in a way that feels good and that is going to balance out that stress. So asking yourself, what is really going on? What is it that I'm not dealing with? What feelings am I not dealing with? Because again, we're all rubbish at sitting with our feelings. We don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. And so we we mask it by overthinking and overdoing and eating and all of these other things instead. So once you figure that out and you can start to build some self-care practices around that, then it's going to give you some other avenues to explore, some other avenues to, you know, do that self-soothing. And I think that when you can do that, the extra snacking starts to feel less necessary, less attractive. And again, it's not to say you can't do it. You're still allowed. But it's just to say that it you're actually tuning in to what you need and you're actually tuning into, oh, right, okay, so there is something else going on here. That's what I need to address, not the symptom. You know, eating the crisps is the symptom. It's not you know, it is not dealing with the root cause of it. So let's get deeper and let's deal with the root cause of it. And you're going to feel better all around. So not only will will the snacking hopefully reduce, but you're just going to feel better and you're going to feel like you've got the tools to look after yourself better. And it doesn't have to take hours and hours every day. It's not about getting up and doing a half hour meditation every morning and all that kind of stuff, but it's about building a little bit of quiet into your life, It's about allowing yourself to take a break in between activities. It's maybe creating a a bit of a ritual or routine where when you finish work or you get home from work, rather than just going straight into right now, I've got to get into family life and I've got to make the dinner and I've got to sort the washing, even just taking five or 10 minutes then to say to yourself, actually, I'm going to go and I'm going to have a shower or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read for 10 minutes or I am going to try meditation. 
and just be still for 10 minutes and sort of creating that cutoff between the stress and the bit that shouldn't feel stressful, which is, is being able to relax at home. So that's number two. Number three, and this is always a big one, is that we are doing this because we're restricting at other times. So if you're maybe trying to lose weight, if you're maybe worried about gaining weight, and you know, let's face it, a lot of us are, then we tend to deny ourselves things. So we cut back on calories. We maybe think about cutting out the carbs. We, you know, get rid of all the refined carbohydrates, all those kind of things. So of course, when we do that, when we have the old, you know, oh, I've been really good this week, kind of thing, then our body notices that. So again, our body goes into protection mode. It's not trying to sabotage you. It's not trying to ruin your life. It's going, "Mm, we've not had enough calories this week. This is not an ideal situation. What I'm going to need to do right now is I'm going to have to get her to eat. So it dials up those hunger hormones, which are going to make you feel even more hungry, even more obsessed with food, even more likely to reach for those snacks. And it tries to get us to feed ourselves up. It tries to get us to add in the calories and the energy that we haven't had maybe for a few days or for the, you know, or maybe for the day. So if you've, you know, got up and, I don't know, had porridge for breakfast, salad for lunch and nothing else, your body is like going, this isn't good. (laughs) She needs to eat more. And so it's going to push you to eat in the evening. And of course, the best way of our body doing that is high sugar, high fat foods, because the high sugar foods are going to give you that, you know, immediate energy and that immediate kick, and it's going to stock up your glycogen supplies and your muscles. And then the high fat foods are a really good source of energy. So you're going to go high sugar, high fat. So our body's trying to protect us at what it thinks is a time of potential famine. So it it wants us to stock up on our energy reserves. It wants us to stock up on our fat reserves. And I think the thing here is like, never underestimate how bloody clever our bodies are at keeping us alive. And that literally is all they're interested in. Our bodies couldn't actually care less if we're a size 16 or a size 12. They don't care about that. The one thing they do care about is keeping you alive. And so they're on the lookout. They're on the lookout for danger. And danger is not eating enough. Danger is not looking after yourself enough. Danger is doing too much exercise because, yes, it is possible to do too much. Danger is stress. So our body and our mind are on the lookout for those things. And when they happen, they want us to stay alive. So the next time that you are sitting there going, oh God, why why do I self-sabotage? Why do I always ruin it? What's wrong with me? There is nothing wrong with you. In fact, you're, you are working perfectly and exactly as you should be. You know, your body is doing what it's supposed to do. It's keeping you alive. So I want you to think on that the next time you're about to have a go at yourself. And I think that when you can do that, when you can say, okay, right, so this is what's happening. So why is my body worrying that stuff is going to go wrong? Is my body worrying because I'm restricting my calories too much and I'm not getting enough energy? Is my body worrying because I'm very stressed out and it thinks that there is some kind of famine coming? Is my body worrying because I am trying to change too many things all at once and it's panicking that it's not going to be able to predict the outcome anymore? So you've got to get deeper. (laughs) You know me, (laughs) I don't like to do surface level. I like to get a little bit deeper. So hopefully now that you can see what's really going on, that your bodies are actually doing you a favour and trying to protect you, keep you alive, keep you healthy and make sure you're okay then you're 
going to be a little bit slower next time. I hope to blame them for deliberately trying to throw you off track for their own evil gain because that's not what is happening. So what can you actually do about this? So first of all, make friends with your emotions. Um, And this is really hard because we're also used to burying or ignoring or overriding what's going on inside. Most of us keep moving because we are uncomfortable with how we feel about something. And we need to mask that. And we won't sit still because that brings up uncomfortable feelings. And we all do it. Uh, I did it for years and years and years and years. And it's taken me quite a while to get over that, (laughs) to be okay with it. I'm still uncomfortable with the emotions, but I've learned to be with them. I think is what I would say. I've learned to be with them rather than trying to rush on to the next thing. So make friends with your emotions, but notice what's going on. Your body, your brain, they're trying to tell you something because, you know, I think if you can listen in and if you can notice what's going on, then you can respond in a more helpful way. Secondly, stop assuming that self-care is for others. It is necessary for all of us. We all need to slow down. We all need to give ourselves a little bit of what we need. Like I said earlier, this doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be massive. And I think a good starting point can be to create a little practice between finishing work and starting your evening or between any stressful bit of the day and the rest of your day. So, you know, having that shower, doing that meditation, having 10 minutes just to sit down before you start on the dinner. Like nobody's going to starve because you start dinner 10 minutes later. Not going to happen. Or, you know, if morning times are better for you, create a bit of time and peace in the morning. So just create a practice that is going to just give you a bit of time, even if it's 10 minutes a day. I can 100% promise you that even 10 minutes a day can make a huge difference. I started my meditation journey a couple of years ago and it was 10 minutes a day. That's literally what I did. Everything else kind of stayed the same. But those 10 minutes a day were like transformed my way of thinking. They transformed my levels of calm. They transformed my levels of stress. And it was just 10 minutes a day. I promise you it really, really can make a difference. And just remembering that as long as you are stressed and as long as you continue to push yourself and to keep going and to keep moving, your body is going to continue to try and protect you. The more stress hormones you release, the more hunger hormones your body will release, and the more it's going to make you crave high fat, high sugar foods. So there's literally no point if you are busy all the time in going on a diet, because not only are you already in a state of stress, but then you put yourself into even more of a state of stress. I've already talked about that, like your body will go into protection mode when it thinks you're not eating enough. So it's literally double whammy and the cravings are just going to get bigger and bigger and you're going to get more and more and more hungry. So cut the stress. You're not going to get rid of it completely, but just have practices to build your resilience to it because that is going to help you to like level out those hunger hormones and stop so much craving of the high fat, high sugar foods. And I think third and, you know, last but not least, take it a little bit of a time. So break it down. Even if the action you take feels like it's going to make no difference at all. You know, like I said, 10 minutes a day, you're like, how is that going to make any difference to my self-care? It does. Or, you know, cutting out crisps two nights a week. It does make a difference. Just do it slowly, but address the other stuff as well. You know, I, I always feel like we just, we need to whisper to our brains to change. We don't need to scream it in their faces. Nobody changes because somebody screams in their face that they need to change. But if we whisper and gently encourage, then we are more likely to change. And your brain is absolutely no different. 
So what do you think? Has this made you maybe flip your thinking about the idea of self-sabotage? Maybe it's not such a bad thing after all. (laughs) Maybe your body, you know, is telling you something. Maybe those actions are there for a purpose. And maybe it's time to start welcoming in what it's trying to tell us. So I would love to hear what you think as always. So drop me an email, a message via Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. But that brings us to the end of another episode. So a big, big, big thank you to all of you for joining me today and listening in. I have loved spending the last 20 minutes or so with you and I'm eternally grateful for you showing up. Do go share the podcast with your friends as well if you think they're going to benefit from my musings and I'm going to see you all again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. Don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at Alex Chickfit for plenty more inspiration.